0: I was in Melbourne for the long weekend, mainly to go to a science fiction convention, Continuum 14, uh, which is at the Jasper Hotel in Elizabeth Street, conveniently located adjacent to the Queen Victoria Markets. Ah, very good. Great place for snacks and food mm. and expeditions. Um, there weren't actually that many panels that interested me, uh, but I figured conventions will be fun anyway. and There'll be lots of interesting people at the convention, and there were. Mm. Uh, and aside from some late-night arguments in the bar over what happened with the Ditmar Awards and how we can improve them, <laughs> yeah, I'll, ju- I'll just say Bitcoin, Ditcoin, perhaps. Okay. I.e. Um, oh, bribing people to vote uh, because the voting numbers have been going down. But it was a pleasant conversation mm. lubricated by <clears throat> considerable amounts of alcohol. Um, and things got off to a start Friday afternoon and there a whole mob of... Fans, writers, gathering in the bar just before the convention started and heading off to various panels. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were typically three streams of programming uh, and there are a few special events like the Masco Bolo and sing-alongs and things like that. Karaoke, which I avoided. (laughs) Um, The three things I want to talk about are the Guff Delegate, uh, the Zine panel, Mm -hmm. and possibly one other uh i say possibly because i don't know if i've actually got much to say about it but let's start with a Gulf delegate uh who's from poland uh martin clark was brought here as the um cultural uh, representative Mm -hmm. uh from polish fandom and um He was giving away lots of Polish chocolate, which was lots of fun, and uh, he gave a talk, which was basically a slideshow talking about science fiction fans and conventions in Poland, Mm -hmm. and they are massive. Uh, Think of them as enough people to fill nine aircraft hangars, full of tables and beds and stories and everyone in Poland. Well, I I believe um, it's partly because the conventions are relatively cheap. Ah, Uh, In fact. Um, there are people who sleep overnight in one of these convention hangers. <laughs> so you bring your sleeping bag and. Yeah. I, I just want to put in a vote for convention hangers oh, for future Adelaide conventions. Right. I just Absolutely. wanted to, to vote for them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, part of the problem is getting to the taps to do your morning evolutions. But <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, he, he showed, the the, same he bike, showed yeah. us lots of slides and talked about the sorts of things Polish fans get up to, which yeah. is pretty much the sort of thing other fans do, but the conventions are in the orders of like. Thousands wow. of people, or tens mm. of thousands of people, at wow. these conventions. They are really big. Uh, the only Australian convention I think comes anywhere close um, is probably Avcon in Adelaide, which mm. uh, typically gets what about ten thousand people over the two days in the convention centre. I Adam? have not been. Inside, how so how big is Avcon? Ten thousand people? Um, yeah, I think it's ten to fifteen. Yeah, mm. um, and I mean no other Adelaide convention. And we're not talking here about the um, SF expos or the comic cons mm. or the uh, basically the, the commercial yep. uh, events that are basically designed to get people there to spend, spend money. money. Mm. But we're talking about fan-run conventions mm. um, that are designed to get people together to. Avcon was originally fan-run. I'm not sure if you'd still classify that. Mm, one. yeah. It yeah. certainly started as fan-run. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's still the same people involved, Don't aren't there? Or has it become a commercial entity? Yeah, many of the originals are there, but it was it was originally a uni- university yes. convention that just grew a lot. Um, Is now yeah. a not for profit, so I suppose that still counts, yeah. doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, still got the same sensibility, I think. And uh, just your, your comparison, just checking for numbers, but I'm pretty sure they're talking ten to fifteen thousand for AvCon now. Mm. Yeah, fifteen thousand from t- in 2011. So still yeah, right. Martin had stayed with a, a well-known science fiction author. Uh, Trudy Canavan. One thing she gave him was a map of chocolate shops, <laughs> in Melbourne, <laughs> which, um, is yes, which is essential. Which is essential. Really, so we organize... there's so many of them, you need the <laughs> map anyway. So on on the Sunday, we organised a chocolate hunt. <laughs> you so about a dozen delivered. fans wandered off <laughs> down Elizabeth Street and uh, along to Swanson Street and back again and along Collins Street, uh, chasing down. I think we hit about eight different chocolate shops. Wow in the space of two hours, which Mm -hmm. wasn't bad. It's a very nice two hours. (laughs) Yes. Um, And uh, I I got back in time to to, uh, listen to a a fandom panel where uh, Lee Edmonds was recording uh, a number of fans who were active in the 60s talking about 60s fandom Mm -hmm. and what people used to do, which turns out to be not that different from 70s fandom, but... (laughs) perhaps a little harder to find the product for science fiction books than it used to be yeah Um, the other panel that was really interesting was a zine panel and particularly interesting because the members of the zine panel were the producers of what you might call the do-it-yourself zines or the art zines Mm. that are common nowadays right Um, now lee edmonds uh who's among other things a fan historian pointed out that um all of these zines um you start with a science fiction fanzines then you've got the punk scenes the music scenes the sports scenes and mm. now what I like to call the, chronological the art scenes or the do-it-yourself scenes yeah. mm. uh, all of these arose from science fiction mm. fanzines because mm. the first uh, punk scene was actually produced by a science fiction fan to produce fanzines which would make sense yeah uh, so they've all got similar mm. descent but there's a big difference in that the science fiction fanzines uh, tended to focus very heavily on communication because their means of contacting people overseas cheaply yeah uh, and as a consequence, they had a very strong and vibrant letter column. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas these do-it-yourself zines tend not to have a letter column. They're produced by individuals on the spur of the moment as something they do, something creative they That's do. Just, this is the, the, current. the current. The current. So it's more like little self-published. Yes, Yeah. exactly. Like yeah. Um, not intended to be a communication Device really. Yeah, Caitlin's yeah. done a couple of them, mm. well, been involved in a couple of yeah. them, and it's a quite different environment. Yeah, yeah and it, it was quite interesting because we, we had um, someone there was handing out little mini comics mm-hmm. and zines and little fold up oh, cool. story zines. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there were a couple of people um, who produced an interesting uh, zine called Concrete Queers. Concrete Queers was published to provide a positive. Uh, images of queer artists and yep. in 10 issues they've published about 50 different artists wow okay uh and that that's it's paper it's square bound uh you yeah, know it's a, it's mm. a well-produced zine and they sell copies of it or so give them away the trade whether it actually is a zine or if it's a small mm. well the, the, the difference between self-published small magazine mm. book and giveaway trading zines is, is an interesting one. Mm. Um, and it tends to be that the, the fanzines tend to be given away yep. or traded. But these modern day zines they they, they tend to be for sale. Although mm. to be perfectly honest, a lot of the manufacturers also give them away to other people to produce zines. So I think they also do the swap. Well that that trading part, yes, seems mm. like zines, but if if they're also selling them then I'm not entirely sure they are zines anymore. It seems more like yeah. small self-public. Well there are fanzines that had a nominal cover price on them, mm. uh, but they were seldom sold. Yeah, we just if someone insisted they wanted to buy one, they could buy one. But, yeah, uh, really, yeah, it's a, it's a hobby you spend money on. Yeah, um, and that was very interesting. Mm. But that uh, comment from Lee Edmonds that the, you know, the fanzines were a means of communication that perhaps isn't that doesn't have to be done by modern zines in since they have the internet well, exactly. discussion groups. Yeah, yeah, Facebook, whatever. Social media has changed the environment Mm. to a large extent. So that's quite interesting. Um, They've made it much more impersonal. Hmm. But it's just interesting the fact that there wasn't actually a a fanzine fan on the panel. Hmm. That is.